All right, let's do it. Making plans with the boys. I'm going to hit the town. We are again. You get to relax now. You know that? <laughs> all your that? Ru- well, because all you're running around and you're like, okay, all right, I'll do the podcast. And I'm saying, but when you sit down, this is the most you've sat down all day. Yeah, well, I'm getting ready to leave tomorrow. So I want things buttoned up before I leave. Do you think that the kid and I are not capable of handling things on our own? Not with Gen X Talks. Look, we, you're going to be gone like four or five days. We can do this, okay? This is not a big deal. We're perfectly capable. I'm a grown-ass man. Well, keep telling yourself that. Well, where are you going? Tell the audience, the listening people, where by the time they hear this, you're already gone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When you are listening to this, um, I will be probably there. You will be there. Um, I'm going to Vegas to uh, visit our oldest son and daughter-in-law and our grandson. Which they is, live in Vegas. Which is partially bullshit you're going there to see the grandson you can really give a shit about everybody else <laughs> well actually it's his last two t-ball games of the season ah. so i i get to see two so are they the time frame i'm going thursday night and saturday morning i believe how's he doing in t-ball is his team in the playoffs are they getting close <laughs> is that why you got to go last two games of the season you got to got to see how this pans out yeah actually i want to see how our son is coaching because he's coaching the t-ball team you know, our oldest son has more baseball knowledge than probably everyone else in the family combined, and he has no, no tolerance, patience. no patience, no tolerance for teaching at all. <laughs> I think it's frustrating for him. I think he'd do better when they know how to play baseball. We, we had discussed this already on my last visit, because the last visit was right before he was starting the coaching. And um, he knew it was going to be frustrating. We had talked about it. I said, you, this is going to teach you lots and lots of patience. I can't, can't expect four and five-year-olds to know what the heck they're doing. It's like a circus, but you know, it's hilarious. I love watching this. You know the thing that he'll be looking forward to? What's that? Is the parents that yell from the stands. He'll turn <laughs> around and go, okay, I may not be able to yell at these idiot kids who can't fucking hit a ball. But I can certainly jump up in the bleachers and yell at you. He's going to go full Ron Artest on him. Charge up into the bleachers and start doing stuff. You watch. That's what he's going to do. She just would leave him. Maybe. Um, I don't know. Well, I'll see. I'll let you. I'll report (laughs) back. I've given him the whole season to be the greatest coach he could possibly be. So now you're going to see the results of his effort. Yes. This is as good as it gets. Yes. This is coming full circle of a kid that's played t-ball since he was five. He's got tons of knowledge. He's just got no patience for teaching. Yeah. But I could see him being a great, absolute, fabulous baseball coach of like the 10, 11, and 12. Now that I could see. You know, the other thing is that that goes true for a lot of people. Just because you know how to do something doesn't mean you can teach others how to do it at all. Exactly. There's lots of people in this world that have do not have the patience or the words to teach. They know how to do their craft better than anybody. Right. Well, they fucking can't pass that along to, for the save their life. Yeah, and he's not only teaching his son how to play baseball, you've now tacked on nine to 12 more kids that need the same guidance. Yeah, well. You know, so it'll be yeah. interesting. I will I will get pictures and video. Uh, you're going to post that on the on the sites, the, the pay sites, right? The membership yes. sites? Yes. You should do that. Yeah. All right. So uh, is your room still yellow? Your bedroom? Let's not talk about that. <laughs> I thought you put your foot down. I thought you, you know, I Didn't do. Didn't I say we're not talking about this? Yeah, but you're not in charge. I'm in charge. Well, so I'm, yeah, I keep telling yourself that one too. <laughs> well, how, what do you, that's two in a row. Do you think my whole life is just full of lies? I'm misleading myself that I'm not in charge well, of anything? According to uh, your live streams, you have a book of lies. Okay. This, it's just, that's, that's things I, write. I can't bring that up. No, that's a book of lies is the stuff that we write down that we're going to talk about during the live show. We just uh-huh. make some notes and it's all bullshit and it's all for fun. It's not that it's, I'm not lying to myself. I'm an important person. <laughs> I like to somebody. <laughs> I like me. <laughs> 
It's all about you. Isn't it though? Yeah. Hey, real quick here. See how all this, this microphone mess is in my face? I hate it. But does I know because it's, it's the arm is really weird and the 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 pad thing for my popping the peas is really weird, but you know what I think it looks making me look mysterious. No, because it? if you ever go to video podcasts, you won't be very entertaining. Uh, have you heard me lately? I'm very entertaining. Then stay on. On, I was going to say stay on radio. <laughs> stay on the radio? Yeah. I'm just saying, this this makes me look mysterious because I'm kind of hiding behind it, you see? Yeah, okay. So wait, how did that uh, collector and the process server deal go? Oh, um, oh Were you waiting oh. for a call or okay. what's the deal with hold, that? Hold on. You're not going to not gonna believe how this turned out. So Oh, I'm going to believe it. <laughs> last podcast, I told you that out of wait, nowhere- one second. You guys, whenever he says that, I just shake my head and go, yeah, I do believe it. I okay, can't tell you, you how many things I've gone through. Because when I come to the door and you're like, you're an hour late and I go, okay, you're not going to believe what happened. You don't even listen anymore. You nope. just turn and walk away. Yep. But I got a story. Because nothing surprises me anymore. I have a story. I do have you a story. You always have a story. You're like that little kid that's late coming home and going, I'm late because I have a story. Okay, but a teenager, I'm late because I couldn't make midnight because. But I really have a story. When it, I mean, when when I come through the door and you're mad and I know you're mad, believe me, I've spent 20 minutes in the driveway rehearsing the story before I even knock on the door. Some people's kids remind me to call your mom. <laughs> Let's pass on that one. Okay, so the last podcast and then in a live stream we talked about this a little bit. A bill collector had called me. Um, actually, wasn't I got a I got a. Um, I got a voicemail from a process server and it was this woman who was talking really fast and I need to serve you papers and I need to get a signature, blah, blah, blah. And there was a phone number. Called the phone number. The phone number gave me another phone number. I called that phone number and it was some guy who said he was an arbitrator. He was a mediator. He goes, I'm not the bill collector. I'm just letting you know the process server is going to call you and she's going to come by and she gets a signature. Um, I can help mediate things right now. Red flag number one. Now, he told me... <laughs> He told me the the address that this bill was collected upon, and it was an address from Oregon, you know, t thirty years ago. Mm -hmm. And then he said, "This is the name of the financial institution." Thirty years ago, maybe I kind of remember. I don't know. Those something. rotate so many. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. So I just I said, "Okay, that kind of sounds familiar." He says, "Look, the bill was twenty nine hundred dollars with interest and stuff. It's up to four grand with the attorney's fees. They're going to go for like nine thousand three hundred, but we can mediate that down." And I was like, what? I, what the fuck is going on? So I told him I'd call him back the next day. That's that's where we left the podcast. I was going to call back the next day. I okay. didn't know what was going on. I kind of thought maybe it was an ex-wife from way back when, when I was like, you know, 19 years old. And because uh, she, had which done, wasn't me, which wasn't you, <laughs> she's and she'd done that stuff before. You and I have suffered through some of those things that came back over the years, so it wasn't out of the realm of possibility. So I'm sitting there. I, I talked on the podcast. I said, I don't know what this is. This is now going to be litigated. Now it's going to court. Now there's this process server. Mm -hmm. Well, the next day I called. I got him back on the phone. I said, okay. So let me see if I get this right. If the processor comes comes out and gets my signature. It goes to court. You and I can't talk anymore. He goes, right. I said, so right now we could negotiate and see where we're at with stuff because I may go to court and lose. We're, what it's going to come down to, I told the guy, I said, I'm going to make the credit card company show me a signature with my name on it. Now, you got to remember back then, you right now you get credit cards over the phone. I mean, right. I'm sorry, over the computer. Right. You fill it out you, you, and you're done. Yeah. Back then, you had to sign. That's right. It came in the mail. You had to put your signature on it. It's a financial agreement. That's right. It was a commitment. It wasn't just, you know, over the computer and it's good to go, which I think is bullshit that they can do that now because then that opens up fraud. Oh, for sure. So I'm going to tell them. I'm going to go to court. I told this guy, the the arbitrator. I said, I'm going to court. I'm going to make them show me the the original signature. Better be mine. Better be my signature. And then I said, I'm going to make them produce what was purchased. Like for the first year of this credit card or this credit line or whatever it was. And I told the processor, for, I said, if this thing comes back and it's a bunch of feminine hygiene products and makeup and shit, I'm going to clearly go to the judge and go, not my purchases, not my signature. I'm not paying for it. Now. <laughs> the judge is going to go, um, sir, is there something you'd like to tell me about these purchases? Yeah. Oh, another court. Sorry. 
I would, I, I would, and now I know I'm not stupid. The, the judge could go, sorry, dude, you, you took too long doing this. You're paying it. Or the judge could go, that looks like your signature to me. You're paying. It. I mean, I know it's, I know it's a gamble. So if I, if you go to court and you gamble, you're out nine grand. Now I said to the, I told the arbitrator, I said, all right, man, why don't you see what you can figure out? If you come back and tell me that the credit card company is willing to settle at, you know, $6,000, fuck it. I'm trying, I'm going to go to court. If they'll do it for less, you know, 4,000 or 3,000, you know, I might be interested in sucking it up, but I want to hear what the numbers are. And I told the arbitrator on the phone, I may still go to court. So he goes, okay, I'll call you back. He said he'd call you back? He said he'd call me back. He called me back in 20 minutes. Wow. And he gets on the phone. I said, dude, that was quick. He goes, yep. He goes, I already had, they, they had their file. Everything's ready. He says, okay. So they're shooting for like $9,600. The original balance with interest and penalties is at $4,000. Your original debt was $2,900. they will settle for $1,300 today. Were your Spider-Man senses tingling? Nope. Because at that second, I was, I, I, I got pissed. At that moment, when he said they'll settle for one thousand three hundred dollars, so we uh, went from nine thousand to one thousand six hundred to thirteen hundred dollars. Thirteen hundred. Okay, thirteen hundred dollars. Wow. And I said to the guy, I, he goes, he said my name. I said, yeah, I'm still here. He goes, what do you think? I said, <laughs> honestly, you almost had me. He goes, sir. I said, you motherfucker. <laughs> I said, you piece of shit. He goes, what, sir? What are you talking about? I'm here to help you. I go, no, you're not. I said, there is no way, or if this was a legitimate gig, there's no way that a person would have gone from $9,600 from a bill that's 30 years old, all the paperwork and lawyers and collection companies that would have had to have been involved over the years, that you guys would settle for $1,300. There's no way. I said, you, 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 you were shooting for it. If you'd have come up with a better number, if you'd have been a little higher, if you'd have been thinking about what you're doing here, but there's no, obviously, no fucking way you're telling me the truth. I said, you're a piece of, sir, I'm telling you, you're going to go to court and that process Fine. server's going to come back. I said, bring it. Yeah, I said, I exactly. dare you. I said, bring the process server here today. Give him my address. Tell him, tell him I'm standing out front. <laughs> tell him right now, we have, we have processors in your county right now. I said, oh, bring them over, send them all over. I lost my fucking mind. I can imagine. I was screaming. I invented cuss words to this guy. <laughs> I invented new words for this The moral dipshit. of the story is question everything. Well, all of a sudden, when I, when I knew, it was like when you catch a guy bluffing at cards when you're playing poker. And then you just know. And then everything else, I said, wait a second. By the way, why would a process server call me? I've been served papers before in my lifetime. No one ever they calls you. Knock, they don't <laughs> knock on the door and go, I'll be back tomorrow with yeah. my papers. <laughs> no, they just show up and toss you the papers and they don't ever require a signature. No. They throw the papers at you and go, you're served. And they walk away. That's right. I told the guy this. I go, the second thing is, I said, you call me back in 20 minutes. You just magically called this credit card company. You got to the right person right on time. He happened to have my folder, my file sitting right on the top of his desk. He opened it up and you got right back to me. Bullshit. Wow. That was I a just, quick guy. I unloaded everything on this on this dude. And uh, you know what was funny is that I did a live stream like the next night and I was telling part two of the story because a lot of people had listened to the podcast and they were like, dude, what happened? What happened? What happened to the process server guy? So I told them and they go, give us his number. <laughs> so I gave everyone who was on the live stream that night his phone number, his extension, and his name. And I go, they go, go get him. One guy says, "You better be careful. You could be liable." I said, "I don't give a fucking shit." This guy's trying for what? To say, I don't know. One of the one of the one of the people in the in the comment section during the live stream says, "Now listen, you know, general, you got to be careful. Now what you're seeing here is if you cause them uh, irre irreparable harm to their company, to their business, if you send all these people over there, it's a scam. You're inside." I said, "Yeah, this is." This, this, I wanted to crumble. Yeah, this is a call center in India type of thing, man. Who gives a shit? Yeah, you know, this is a what about your problem what yeah. about how you are feeling how about the stress of 
you know, cut all this coming on us and I, our family I, and everything. This particular guy it. in the comment section didn't seem to care about our part. <laughs> and he was warning me off and off no and off. No way. And I finally said, look, dude, I appreciate it, but you need to shut the fuck up. Because there is now a legion of extras that are going to call this motherfucker <laughs> and they're going <laughs> to descend on him. And they did. They kept reporting back, left messages. And by like after the first three or four minutes of all these people calling, one guy goes, uh, the, his voicemail's full. <laughs> And then the next guy, yeah, his voicemail's full. Next one goes, went right to voicemail. So I'm sure that dude got up in the morning to, you know, 6,000 messages of people that were Maybe he'll think twice before he does that. Well, I just, I I was so mad. I was mad for two reasons. One, I was mad um, that I had to go through this, that, you know, the whole shitty thing was happening and that this guy was trying to scam me out of money. But the biggest one was, I feel stupid that I didn't catch on quicker. Uh, Yeah, well, but that's okay. Oh my but God. you didn't let it happen. No, but man, so when you I saved us money, I, that I know, but it's just. I, all right, I don't want to get you all fired up again. I'm mad. I'm Take already upset. Take a breath. <laughs> Getting some of my Hawaiian so, refrigerator water here. So, I tried to do something nice for you today. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. So I need to like apologize and say I'm sorry that I. Well, first Got of all, wrong first of all, you said you came to me and you said, and this I love when she does this, ladies and gentlemen. If you're listening, um, she does this often. She will come to me with something, and uh, she will say, "I have something for you. It's an unexpected gift at an unexpected time." Yes, and I love when she says that because it can be anything. You know? Because he does it to me all the time now, like. If we were keeping score, Gen X dad is like at 10 million and I'm probably at 50. So, oh, you know, that is not true. It is because he's really hard to not, not to buy for. It's just, he's kind of simple. He's got certain things that he likes and, yeah, I'm not you know, a, I don't, there is it. But this, this, I thought I had it. I thought I had. Well, uh, she, she brings me this box. It's like an Amazon type box and it's, it's opened. And she presents it to me. I'm in. I'm in my chair. You guys have seen me at my chair, um, at the at the microphone. Um, you know, at the little makeshift studio that we got. So I slid back the chair a little bit. She hands it to me, and I open it up, and I'm smiling and I'm and doing like this, and I'm carrying on. And what she bought me, I'm due for some new boots, and I just sit there and wear out my boots till I can't walk anymore, and then till she sees me falling over, going, "All right, you need new boots." So this time she surprised me. Now, what was the brand you got? What was Timberland? That? Timberland, not Timberland. 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 And what she did, it wasn't the usual boot that I normally get. I've had the same boots for Ever. five years. Yeah, say five or six years. The and same I'm getting style. tired of them. I love my boots. They look like work boots. And I wanted to try to surprise you with something a little more maybe dressier. Uh, maybe they, no, they Well, were. I don't want to say dressier. Just a little more casual, less work. They and you did. They look great. Yeah, they're very cool. But as as I opened them up, we're both looking at these things, and I'm smiling, and she's smiling, and I'm like, "So you got size 13, right?" Oh god! And she snaps back at me. She goes, "Why do you always say 13? And why do you always tell me it's 13? <laughs> it's 12." I said, "Okay, I'm sorry. I thought I thought my big fat feet were 13." She goes, "No, they told you they're 12s." And why do you always we say that? We go through this every single time because he won't go in a shoe store and try them on. No, so. We go back and forth on a 12 and a 13, a 12 and a 13. I think they're 12s. He says now, they're 13. Remember what she just said. We go through this every, every time. single time. So uh, we take them out. We go like this. I go over to the staircase. We sit down and I go to put them on. And she's looking at me. And they don't even come close to fitting They're 12s. She grabs my old boots, <laughs> looks at them, and I smiled and went, 13, huh? She was livid. Yep, you were right. I <laughs> but, was wrong. But then it turned like, I'm sorry, I got you the wrong thing, and I tried to surprise you. You did fine. I love the surprise. Thank you for buying. And they are cool. They're black. They don't look like work boots. No. They are, they're going to go. They're going to go well. Because I'll wear, my, I'll wear my, my work boots with shorts on. I don't give a shit. I'm, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> so she wants but you, to. But they looked good with sweats. And I thought yeah. when you wear your jeans, they're yep. not looking like work boots. They no. kind of look something like motorcycle boots. That's they, what they, they kind of look like. They look that. But, but like they're like a super heavy duty tennis shoe. 
with us with a big soul on it, yes. with a hard soul. They were an anti-fatigue soul. Yeah, That's kind of what sold me on them. But so. they just weren't the right size. But thank I'm you. I'm so sorry. Thank you for I trying tried. to give me so the gift. So right now, we're going to hold you in suspense. I returned them. So uh, so now if we're yeah. keeping score, it's 50 million for me and 49 for you. <laughs> yes. No, not 50. <laughs> uh, you guys, I'm never going to win here. Well, never you... going to win. <laughs> so... Um, uh, Gen Z kid yes. had these uh, questions written down. Uh, he, I went through his inbox, <laughs> just so you know. Are they his questions? No, they were questions that listeners wanted to ask you. So oh, I thought, we're doing that stupid thing again? Yeah. I thought, well, he's not getting to them right now, so I thought I'd grab them and, <sighs> and let's talk to you about them. They all like to hear you. I know, but this is like personal and embarrassing every time. Oh, please. You're embarrassed? I'm feeling it. When was the last time you were embarrassed? It happened before. It was a Thursday in 1983, I'm sure. Okay, well, then you're due to be embarrassed. <laughs> so um, a listener wants to know, what was the first thing you got caught doing as a teenager? I'm assuming getting caught being bad. Yeah, well, not, yeah, it's like, oh, I was a teenager. Um, you know, 13 or older. I would say... I got caught. Uh, there's, oh, two, there's so many well, there's going two, through the whole well, filing cloud cabinet. You were asking me, well, you asked me what's the first thing. There's two that come to mind. I'm not sure which happened first. Um, one was, uh, the, the short version was, we every Thanksgiving, my family, my grandfather and grandmother had a house in La Quinta, which is near Palm Springs. And it's a, they would go down there. Um, they lived in Santa Rosa, and they would travel down there for the winter because it was warmer. And they would stay in Palm Springs near La Quinta. And it was a really nice little community with a country club and all this stuff. And they had new construction houses kind of being built in different places. Well, my cousin Steve and I walked over there. We must have been 12. I want to say, okay. and to one of the construction sites. And the construction workers left all these nudie magazines around. <laughs> so first we Wait, were, wait, wait, wait. Aren't they supposed to be working? Oh, this I'm sorry, they on their done. lunch hour. No, th well, they were done. Oh, you know, they left it. So they. Okay. we grabbed these, and uh, they've all gone home for the day. We go over there and grab them, and we run back. And um, uh, I even remember which one it was. It was <laughs> we, O-U-I, we, we. We. The French girls. Yeah. Mm. The big, hairy French girl one. <laughs> and um, I, I remember we- The construction workers we got, were into French girls. I guess they were. Okay. Very popular in Palm Springs. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. So we, there was some, my grandfather had a bunch of pipes stacked next to his garage and we rolled up the magazines and we oh, stuffed smart. them in the pipe. Yeah, smart. And uh, after the second day we were there, uh, my uncle comes out and is like, why do you guys keep going around back over there to those pipes? Like, <laughs> how many no, times did you go back there? Every chance we got. Oh god! <laughs> every fifteen minutes. Uh, so, um, I remember my cousin Steve said, "I just went over there to go to the bathroom," and he's like, "Why don't you just go in the house where the toilet is, dumbass?" And he's like, "Well, I just want to go over there." And he's like, "You want to go around, the, and you have to go eleven times a day? I don't think so." And he yells at me, he "Goes, what are you going around there for?" And I said, I was smoking a cigarette. And I didn't want anybody to know. I oh, thought, yeah, that was good. I thought if I said that, that I'd be in the clear. He goes, no, you're not the smoking type. You're full of shit. <laughs> you're not the smoking type. <laughs> was, was 12. So he marches us oh, over there God. and he's standing there looking around and he's looking at the, it's all sandy out there. There's like, you know, a lot of light dirt and sand. He's like, okay, so you guys, there's no footprints on this end of the pipes. Whatever you're doing is on this end of the pipes. And uh, he's looking all oh, around. He's good. Oh yeah! And then he just knelt down, looked inside there, looked back up at us, reached in, pulled out all the magazines. <laughs> it's like God damn it! <laughs> I thought he was going to be the cool uncle. He went right in there and told my mom. Oh, yeah. that sucks. I was done. I got in so. I'm much the trouble. cool mom. I probably would have went, tucked him back in there, and went, "Yeah, just go <laughs> for it. Have a good time." Because that's well, I don't know. At twelve, it's kind of close. You know, I know, 15, but it's but, harmless. Well, you wouldn't really. do it to a kid who's eight. You wouldn't tell an oh, eight-year-old well, no, that. But well, I'm talking about a teenager. Now we're kind of at the border there. So that was one. The Curiosity, other one. You know. The other one, and I am not proud to say that I did this. <laughs> I know I was 12. I was probably 13. My next next door neighbor, we lived in the San Fernando Valley. My next door neighbor had, um, there was three daughters that lived there. They were oh, all, I know the story. They were all older than me. And you could look through, if it was, it was, if it was wintertime, 
darkness in the morning, darkness in the evening. So when they were getting dressed uh, in the morning or getting dressed for bed, you could see right in their rooms. Okay, peeping Tom. So they, uh, <laughs> you're not going to believe that I did this. They, they learned that I was watching them somehow. And they started closing their drapes and their blinds. Remember Venetian blinds? Yes. The little thin yeah. tin ones. Mm-hmm. So this one girl that I really was, I just loved watching her get undressed. And of she course was, you did. She was ni- 19 years old. And of course I'm, you did. I'm 13 or 12 or something. And um, she started closing her blinds. She would go take a shower because you could see the bathroom light go on, you know, and then the bathroom light would go off. The bedroom light would come on. She's back in the bedroom. She'd always close her blinds. I'm like, fuck. I was really, so... Early in the morning, it's like six o'clock in the morning. She's going to school or something like a college. She goes, the bathroom, her bedroom light goes out, her bathroom light goes on. I jump the wall. That is bad. <laughs> Onto her side. And her window was open a little bit. And I reached in with two fingers and I turned the little thing so the blinds were <laughs> to open the blinds. I turned the little lever. I reached in and turned the little lever and, and opened the blinds. And then I went back over the wall so I could get back in my house and be in my kitchen. And then when she came in there, I could see in the room. And as I jumped back over the wall, my mom was standing there. Oh. Yeah. That was bad. I couldn't even make up a story fast enough. <laughs> I remember I was going to tell her something like, I thought I saw somebody in their room and I was trying to be the hero and check. I was going to go with something along that line and I never even got two words out of my mouth. Mm. She cold cocked me. She fucking knocked me back into the brick wall. "Mm." (laughs) Okay, so what was the last thing you got in trouble for or got caught doing as a teenager? So we're talking, what, 18, 19? Well, does it have to be caught by my mom? I mean, is that no, what we're No, I didn't. Nobody said specifically. Um, I think the last time, the last thing that I really got caught, um, like outright caught, uh, I got chased out of a girl's house naked by her dad because he came home early from work. And this is why I kept Levi's in the trunk of my car. I'd always have an extra pair, pair of Levi's in the trunk of my car. It always seems to be around girls. Yeah, I like girls. I always have. And it, back then it was even worse. I liked girls. I did. Oh, brother. You still like girls. I do still like girls. Unbelievable. They're, you, you, but remember, you now have daughters. So there's boys out there that yeah, do what but you do. I, yeah, yeah, but I'm way hep to their jive, man. I mean, there's nothing those dudes can think of that I haven't already thought of. Yeah, well. I was all over that shit. Yeah, just but, don't teach your Gen Z kid I haven't told him. You know what? You brought this up. I haven't told him any of these stories. Thank God I'm asking these questions. Well, thank God he doesn't listen to this podcast. Well, yeah. I'm glad he didn't ask these questions. So, um, Thank God he doesn't check his email then either. (laughs) Yes. He wouldn't have seen these questions. No. (laughs) Mom saves the day. Good job. And he's Uh, not here. And he's not here. Wow, you did three for three. Yes, Mom rocks. (laughs) So um, what's this term called helicopter parenting? What, what is, what uh, is you that? Know, you know, I could tell you names of people that you know, girls, women that you know that you consider. Am I a for, helicopter no, parent? No, you are not a helicopter parent. Okay, what is that? They hover over their children and make sure that everything goes perfect in their life. Helicopter parenting is what millennials do to their kids um, where they're over them, hovering over them all the time. Don't get dirty. Don't you know? Don't put that in your mouth. Don't oh. walk over here. Sit. Over, oh, did you drop your crayon? Let me pick up your oh, crayon. Oh, I wish for I you. knew this this title years ago. <laughs> because, because you would have called. All, it would have ended your relationships with like five women you know. Because but you I would have, have some you examples. Would, you would have called them that to their face. Yeah, but I have some examples of just something years ago before I had all these children. Yeah. I um, taught preschool, so I I would take care of three year olds. Three, four, two, three, and fours, roughly. And the parents would be, there were some parents that brought their child to preschool in the most gorgeous Sunday dress ever. And I'd look at the parent going, your child is going to play with paint and yeah. play in the dirt and yep. everything. And they're like, no, they're not. I No, they can't do that. This is how I want to dress. I'm like, uh, then you better take so them out what of preschool. Would they, what, they want them to be socially awkward because you have to, as a teacher, you'd have to sit them down and say, sorry, we're all going to paint right now, but you can't because your mommy said so. Well, or else I had to put like a t-shirt over them. I mean, I really had to protect them. But um, another situation was in summertime when they were there in the summertime, we had a very lax 
schedule. Right. So a lot of times I would take a hose and go over to the sandbox and fill it with water. So it was a big, huge mud puddle. And those kids would have a blast because we'd put their bathing suits on them and I would just wash them down with a hose. Why not? But they had so much fun. And a lot of the kids were afraid to get dirty. Like they, I'm like, go in the mud, go have fun. It's a textile thing. Have a fun, have a good time, get dirty. And they would like the kids, the kids, the parents have made the kids so afraid of getting dirty that they didn't want to get dirty. You know, you'd you'd have given those parents a heart attack if they'd have seen what you were doing. I mean, a literal heart attack. (laughs) Our two oldest boys, um, they had a big, huge mud pile in the backyard and they came to the back door and they were head to toe in their overalls full of mud. I hosed them down and put them in a bathtub. I know, but I'm and they t- had wait. the best day ever. When I was a kid, I used to eat dirt. So did I. I mean, eat it. It was like, you know, you try to make a cookie, a fake cookie, yeah. and then you take a bite, like, oh, all right. I mean, yeah. we just eat dirt. So now I know what the term is. Helic- I wish I Helicopter knew that. Helicopter parenting I is wish- the parent that hovers over every little thing the child does, everything. Yeah, I used to tell them if if they if they showed up at the end of the day at preschool and their child was dirty and full of full of dirt from head to toe, then yeah. they had a good day. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you can't do that anymore. So helicopter parenting. How do you feel about helicopter parenting? What do you think? Well, there's 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 a fine line between watching what your kid does and helicopter parenting when, like I said, they'll be coloring and drop a crayon and the mother will run over. Let me get that for you. Let me get your crayon. Okay, let me let me dust off the crayon. Let oh, me put it back in your hands. Like, Lord. I would sit there across the room and go, hey, you miserable son of a bitch. You dropped your crayons. Now you're stepping on them. Don't eat them. Pick them up and play. Pick them up. Put them back on the tray. There you go. I mean, I would parent from across the room. Make them do it. No, not these people. You can't do that. What if there's toxicities in the... That's extra work for the poor mom. These parents, especially I noticed it with first-time parents, you know... Yeah, I could see that. First-time parents will... They're naturally helicopter parents where they're hovering over every little thing the child does and, you know, they got to be doing... Well, that's because everything's so new. I know. And you don't know But by the third or fourth child, when someone walks up to me and says... (laughs) Uh, your two-year-old's out on the swing set, asleep on the swing, and my child is slumped over in one of those swings that you set them inside of, and they're drooling. Leave I'm like, there. I'm like, leave them there. They're sleeping. They must <laughs> be comfortable yeah. if they're laying like that. I'm not getting them out of that. So the the helicopter parenting. Now, now pay attention. The helicopter parenting when you when you do that, and someone comes along and tells you it's okay. Yeah, the helicopter parent. Yeah, do that. You you're doing great. You're doing. You're protecting your child. You're. Then we get these children that go out in the world. And they get into colleges and they need safe spaces and they need. <laughs> oh, don't God. spank me. Give me a timeout. Don't yell at me. Their whole. They've been raised with helicopter parents. Now they have these expectations when they get older. And the parents run right into the schools and go, "Yes, this is how I've raised my child, and you will continue to do the same." Well, that doesn't sound like a great idea. <laughs> um, no, we got now we got a nation filled with a whole generation filled of just these babies that can't get their head out of their own ass. Or it's taking them many years later to mature and take care of themselves. I I I'm in a unique position working with the kid and you with Gen X Talks that I get a lot of feedback. I can I can go into chat rooms and I can go onto live streams and I can be a guest on other people's podcasts and I get a I get a real feel for things out there in the world, just just the general population. There are so many millennials, and I mean by the thousands, like in the last six months to a year, that are turning around going, I don't I don't agree with how we were raised. I don't like how I turned out. Interesting. I want to change this. I'm not happy. I have a liberal arts degree that I don't know what to do with. I've been protesting everything that I was supposed to protest. My life is not turning out how it was supposed to. And they know they're oversensitive. They'll tell you that, I, that I'm that i trying to tough it up a little bit. I hate this. Sounds like everybody should be a counselor. Yeah. <laughs> that should be the new job. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of kids are going to be going to counseling trying to figure out what's going on. I'm telling you that there is a group of millennials now, percentage of them, that are becoming self-aware that what happened, they're like, you know what? I'd rather be like my parents. I'd rather be like you guys than the way I turned out. Do you think it's too late? These millennials that are, are, you know, 
are out in the world and they're just looking around going, oh my gosh, I'm not prepared for this. I don't think I, it's... Can, can they still fix it? You think they could still fix it? I don't know that it's too late. I think the hardest part for them is it's very comfortable being who they are. They know the rules. They know what to demand from the government. They can get their free Obama phone. They can get their free stuff. There's no accountability. They can do what they want. They're entitled to everything. But part of them is now going, holy shit, this is bullshit. Why am I, ah, I don't like being this way. So it may not be too late to change, but boy, is it hard to not be who you are. Yeah, that's it's what I'm hard. saying. You're kind of set in your ways when you become yeah, in so your these, 20s. You these, are, these are kids in their 30s and they're in their, from like 27 to 35. And I just, I'm not even talking directly to them. I'm listening. Yes. And I'm listening and they're talking going, and they can be on another broadcast. That almost makes me feel sorry for them. That Well, the, the part was they come, they, when they do come around to someone like me or, or someone on, on, on my generation X with my common sense, more nuts and bolts thinking. Yes. They come back and they're like, well, you know, this is all bullshit. And, you know, I don't like how I was raised. And the stu- you told me to get loans up for my college. And you told me that the world would work this way. And, and they're mad. And I go, I'm one of the guys that's been telling you that this is all bullshit. You have two camps out there. You have all the people you listen to, which was boomers and some Gen X, and a lot of older millennials, and you listened to every one of them. Now, there's a whole group of us over here on the other side that have been telling you the whole time, you're too much of a baby, you're acting like a fucking little child, you're not entitled, grow the fuck up, you need to get your ass kicked once in a while. Oh, you shamed us the whole time we were saying that. You said, oh, you guys are just abusive in Generation X, you ruined everything, and we're going to fix everything, and you did this, you did this, you did this, and then you now you're coming to us. For help. And saying, hey, the people that guided us guided us wrong. Turns out you guys were right the whole time. Yeah. First of all, I love giving the big fat... I told you so, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but I want you to, since you asked the question, can they change? Yeah. If, I think they're ready to, I think there's a lot of millennials that are going, holy shit, this is not working out. Like everyone told me my college professors told me life was going to be one way and it's not, it's not all rainbows and unicorns, but changing who they are, how they've been raised. That's fucking hard. I was going to say, that's really hard when you, when you get to that certain age where you don't want to change like you've been this way for so long to turn around and do a 180 degree turn uh the only thing that's so hard the only thing that i can say as far as how i feel about it is that i look at it and go i kind of feel bad because they are now self-aware they're now going holy shit what have i become yeah. that that part i kind of feel bad for them because now now that they're self-aware now they have to now the work begins to change. I feel, I feel, I don't feel responsible. No, 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 no. (laughs) I I didn't do this, but I do feel bad that there's 30 year olds going, shit, I got to start over. Yeah, you do. I couldn't imagine. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. Well, on top of this, where somebody asked, another listener asked, where do you see the world going in the next five or 10 years? What do you, what do you, what do you think about it? I mean, five years is not that far away. Ten no. years seems a little bit farther. I don't know. Anybody but we're who, talking, we Gen X or, or us, we yeah. will be in our mid-60s at that point. Anything I say is going to be a bullshit guess at, at best, okay? No one can predict what's going to happen. But what I... God, I don't know how to say this without sounding really fucking stupid, but... Um, Do you think we'll be better or worse? If... I really think that there, there might, we might be turning a corner on lying. Now, let me explain what that means. Okay. There's a, this whole generation of Gen Z is catching on. Okay. Let me give you a premise. They, teachers are still pushing agendas in school. I'm going to explain global warming. You're going to believe global warming. There's professors, there's studies, there's books, there's charts, there's graphs. And this is it. You believe me, don't you? Generation Z turns around and goes, um, look, man, <laughs> I'll figure it out on my own. Why don't we just get back to math class, okay? And, the, and that generation is, is kind of setting aside all the indoctrination, all the pushing that everyone's doing. Okay, that's, that's as deep as I'll go into that. Uh-huh. Now, these same kids have a chance to set aside some other things, and I'd like to say I see it happening, but I don't just yet. And what I mean by that is people come across with a story or a lie 
with some silly little facts and everybody believes it until it doesn't matter. These are the lies in politics. If someone says, well, the moon landing is clearly fake. Let me show you a couple of pictures here. These are doctored. Let me show you. When Neil Armstrong took his first step on the moon, who was the cameraman? How did they have a camera out on the outside? Now, they'll throw out five or six of these little things, but they're very compelling and 10 million people go, shit, moon landing never happened, and they walk away. They're done. That was the end of it. A person lied with some very clever, obvious facts, and they walk away. Now, if you do any digging at all, everything's explainable, everything's understandable. Yeah, and the generation that actually saw that on the television right. live is dying off for for word of mouth. Right. So what you get is, and I'm just giving the moon landing one yeah. as an example, but there's 10 million examples. What they do is they, if they want a story to go a certain way, they throw out some things and like, and, and I'll give the, the, you know. I the, love the percentage ones. The Donald Trump one. He's like, well, he obviously was in bed with the Russians. Here's this, this, and this, and look, yeah, he had coffee in Russia. And so everybody goes, yep, I guess he did. And they, and they're done. Now, there have been people now that admitted they fabricated the evidence. There's, there's, been, there's been admissions of guilt that the whole thing was a big lie. Do you think anybody cares? No. Nope. Do you think anybody remembers? No. All they remember is that Donald Trump worked with the Russians to undermine the election. That's, that's all that's out there. It's never going to be turned around. Ever. It's almost like that game of telephone. Exactly. Somebody says something, and then by the time it gets to the end... So what happens oh. is you have people that professionally lie, and they throw out five or six things that are clever and witty, and on the surface, they look terribly damning. Right. Okay. If your question was, where are we going to be in five to ten years... I think people are no longer blindly believing that. And I think Generation Z is coming down the pipe. They're coming along. They're yeah, they'll be in their 20s, almost 30 at the, in 5 to 10 years. And right now, in high school and college, they already are turning, turning their back, going, I don't want you to lecture me anymore. I'll figure it out myself. Man, if they start, if a whole generation of kids start doing that, with the liars in politics? They'll disappear. Done. Yeah. Because they're not going to believe the first thing you say. They're not going to believe, well, look at all this evidence. They, they, all they believe is what's on the surface. Mm -hmm. You can't stop political lying. You cannot. There's professional political liars. And that's not something that's just happened. That's been no. around forever. I want people to know that, that that's... Not on this level, though. No, because social media has a huge... And when you have nine out of the 10 major news networks pushing one direction. Right. Okay, so all I'm saying is that if this generation comes along and says, I don't give a shit what you're saying anymore, I'm going to figure it out myself, there's a chance that this next generation is primed to set all of the bullshit aside. Good. And make decisions, dig a little deeper, and look on their own. They're already doing it. There's no movement. There's no leader. They didn't. There's no website that rallies every Gen Z kid. Says, "Come to this website. Don't believe everything you told. Follow us. Follow us. Follow us." They're not doing that. This is a generation of kids that are just behaving this way, and I have no idea why. But they're doing it. The pendulum is swinging the other way. If it gets to the point where the same generation questions and dismisses the liars in politics, yeah, you're going to see an upheaval like you've never seen before. And if you can get rid of the lying, all that's left is the truth. So how can it be bad? Excellent. That's, that's an excellent point. That's my thought. And I know I won't, I'll be dead. <laughs> Someone's going to have to come to my grave and go, dude, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just telling you, if your question was, where are we going to be at in five to 10 years? Uh, if... You can get rid of all the lying and deception. How would you do that? It just so happens there's a generation that's already on that path. That's excellent. We'll be around to see at least the beginning of it. Maybe, yeah. So we'll see what happens. So do we have time for just two more questions? Yeah, well, okay. he, he can sit his ass there for a little bit. Okay. So um, what's the? what do you think is the best way to treat a woman? Respect. That's it? Just a one more dance? Well, it... Um, that's it? Respect? If you apply that towards every 
every aspect of how you're treating a woman, you start with respect. You know, um, if you're going to date her or court her, you don't blow up her phone, don't pound on her front door, have some respect, give her distance until, you know, she's ready to accept you. That's one. If you're out on a date and you guys have a disagreement, you respect her. You never manhandle a woman. You never scream in her face. You never, you never harm her. You have respect. If, if there's ever a point of intimacy, you have respect. So if you, I'm, I know I threw that answer out there. You caught me off guard, but my first gut is, is if, if you have the first word of respect in front of every interaction you do with a woman, I don't, I think you would put yourself in check every single time and every interaction would go better. I like that. Can I counter on that about something? Yeah. I wanted, I wanted to share what I've, um, told my daughters growing up and what to look for because now all my daughters are in their twenties. Um, and they are, some of them have found their, their soulmate and some are still looking. But, um, one of the things I told them to watch out for is how a man treats his mother is how they're going to treat you. And I absolutely believe that with all my heart. So if you're out there and you're single and you are looking for your soulmate somewhere, if you come across a man, I would ask him questions about his mom. Does he know his mother? Like if you watch him interact, if you ever get a chance to go to a family function, watch how he interacts. I think that tells, that is the biggest tell ever. My, is how you're going to be treated. My mother has said that about my father. She has told all of us. She goes, I picked him because of how he treated his mother and his grandmother. He would leave as a teenager. He would leave and functions that he was doing with his friends and drive his grandmother where she needed to go. So it's, you're right. That's a very good tell. That's a wonderful thing to think about. So that's about treating a woman. One more. Yeah. Um, this is a good one because I don't even know the answer to this. So I'm curious. You know, you could have prepped me a little bit on this shit. No, no. Um, will you ever treat your four sons as equals at, as men? No. Wow. <laughs> that wasn't such a hard question. Uh, we have our youngest will be 18, considering 18 is an He's adult. an idiot now. He's far from being an equal. But you have a 30-year-old, oh, a right. 28-year-old, a 24-year-old, and okay. a 17-year-old son. Let me say, okay, you want a real answer? Yes, I do. Um, I, I can't speak for all fathers and sons, of course, but I, I'm going to say that there's probably a little bit of a majority in my, in my line of thinking. I think maybe at some point I can be very proud of them. I'll, okay. Our, the, the son that I talk to the most is our tree-hugging, pot-smoking, computer-repairing <laughs> son up in Northern California in the Redwoods. I love him, okay? And I will... I already admire him. I'm proud of him. I look at him like um, very much a man. I view him as a man. I don't view him as a 12-year-old son anymore, which a lot of my sons and daughters, I still view them as children for one reason, but not him. But I'm never going to think he's equal because for some reason, my dumb, arrogant, fat ass is always going to think I'm smarter than him <laughs> about stuff. Like I can now, since you're asking it that way, I could probably find myself at a barbecue going, well, son, you did well. You, you got married. You had your own family. You started your own business. You're doing well. Things are looking up for you. You know how to take care of yourself. And you're, I admire you very much as the man you become. You still don't know shit, you know, because I'll always, I'll always have this thing that there's no possible way that somebody younger than me can know more than me about the world. I can see that. Um, I, and look, I know I'm wrong. I know I'm fucking wrong, but I'll mm-hmm. never get that out of my head. It's one of those things. I know. Where, and I look at Gen Z kid and think he's 17, but no, nope, nope. He's still three to me. Like he's still my well, you, baby. Well, yeah, you look at him that way. I look at my older sons and I lean into him going, I'm still your dad. I still whoop your ass. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe when I'm really old, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. 
But right now, I know that they are going to be better men than I am. They're going to be better husbands and better fathers. And I'm still, and I'll tell them all that. But then at the end, I'm like, yeah, but I still know more than you. Exactly. <laughs> I could see that. So, well, thank you for ask, uh, answering all those questions. Well, how come there was no questions in there about you? How come this Not was- this time. That that means there was some in there, and you just skipped over them. Not this time. <laughs> uh, you, you, uh, not this time. We need to have an agenda. We need to write down like an agenda. This isn't a meeting. This is just coffee talk, like across table the talk. table. Table talk. Everybody wanted you to do that too. They wanted to change it to uh, Gen X table talks because you we brought that up at the kitchen table last time. Yeah, that's exactly where we are right now. It's just the afternoon and we just sat down and we're taking a break from all our duties and, and just where are we having at? a conversation. What? We're at the what? The Gen X Talks table. No. <laughs> Not my dining room table anymore. <laughs> Can't you just say if you would have said it I'd had you trapped. And I know you better than I that. I would have had you trapped if you just said, well, we're sitting down at the kitchen table. And I, I didn't say it. I would have said, yep, so you don't need a new one because this is still your kitchen and table. And I didn't say it. Ah, damn it. Oh, I'm getting real yeah. smart <laughs> with your little antics. So All right. anyways, we finished another podcast. We did. Are we good? Um, I need to buy an engine for my truck. Wait. wait. Thank you. You can't, I, I, you're not going to get what? mad at me in front of everybody. It's sucked. It's got a valve hung up in it. That's what's shaking so bad. Oh, well, we're not discussing that right now. You know what happens? <laughs> this is just like the kids. What? When you ask me in front of other people, the answer is no. Well, that's bullshit. I'm not. Yeah, well, you brought it up. So we're ending the podcast here. <laughs> Till right. next time, you everybody. Say, you say goodbye then. Goodbye, everyone. Uh, thank you for listening to the Gen X podcast and listening to Gen X Dad and I just sit around the table shooting the shit, having a good old afternoon, and we hope that uh, you enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Listen, you guys, the music is coming up by now, I'm sure. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. I got to get out of here. I got to go pick up the kid from school. I'm already late doing that. Then I got to try to put all this thing together for you fine folks who will drop on time. I don't know if this was interesting or not. I kind of lost track of time, how fast it went by, but I promise you that uh, we gave you our best. Obviously, you guys were able to worm your way in and ask some questions today. I didn't even know there was an email <laughs> box four questions that shows how much i know Maybe about this shit so what was that again gen x mom at gen x for what if they want to send me a question if they want me to ask you apparently something apparently they've already found a way to do that you had i didn't know we had i questions. went and raided the kids box inbox <laughs> all right i'm shutting off her mic again i'm gonna say goodbye thank you guys for checking in thank you guys for listening Wherever you're listening from, we appreciate it. And like I said before, uh, we will always catch you guys on the flip side. Bye.